today is in the church calendar, if you follow it, it's a church calendar, the three-year cycle of lessons. This is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the fourth Sunday of Easter, counting first with Easter. Uh, and it's dedicated to that biblical image of Jesus as a shepherd, the, the good shepherd. I also wonder, though, that it's kind of a dead metaphor. Uh, is anyone here a shepherd? None. Does anyone know a shepherd? Does anyone know someone who knows a shepherd? Maybe. Yeah, it's kind of lost. You see, in Jesus' day, he was preaching that as an example because it was common. It was something that people could relate to and then use that understanding to teach about God. But we don't have that understanding. But maybe if we unpack it a little, maybe if we look at it a little deeper, we'll actually uh, begin to understand a little more about what God was trying to teach us. Uh, through those word images, because they happen both in the Old Testament, they happen in the New. We heard Jesus referring it to today, but maybe the most common use of uh, that image of shepherd is Jesus uh, preaches it about himself, but actually it goes way back to King David when he used those words as the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm, written by David, son of Jesse, a shepherd himself, and a guy who had a rather up and down, back and forth kind of life, particularly even in his relationship with God. All the way back, uh, when we kind of encounter David, he, he's a young shepherd, and uh, he is anointed king, of Israel, which is kind of interesting. They thought it would be one of his brothers, but it turns out to be him. And even more strange, Saul was still king. Now we kind of have David, the anointed one, and Saul is still king, and there's this tension. You see, Saul didn't follow in God's paths. Saul displeased God a lot. That's why he uh, appoints David and anoints him king. But Saul's still alive. And basically Saul was so upset with that, he decides he needs to kill David. David has to flee for his life more than once uh, out of the wrath of Saul. But David also had so many good qualities. A poet, wrote many of the Psalms. He's a musician. Maybe the most famous story about David is using that stone and the slingshot to kill Goliath, the, the giant opposer from the Philistines. But what we don't often talk about in Sunday school is that David had a lot of shortcomings too. Maybe most famously, there's the whole incident with Bathsheba as he commits adultery tries to cover up her pregnancy, and when that failed, he has her husband killed. Now, while that was maybe the worst transgression of his life, it's not alone. God had commanded him, he wanted to take a census and do taxes and things like that. God told him no, he does it anyway. He was often lax in his duties. He was absent as the father, not disciplining his children uh, as they needed it. 
So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us with David? Oh, I don't know if we can study him. He's not always that great. But I argue that, that maybe it makes actually David really approachable. Because he's not just this perfect hero of the faith that we can never attain to. No, he's really one of us. Like us in more ways than maybe we'd even like to, to admit. And so as we come to David this morning, I think there's something to learn from his words. And that background as it comes into this beautiful image of shepherd in the 23rd Psalm. Many of us have grown to know and love those words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I tend to do it still in King James because that's how most of us learned it, right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a beautiful picture of God being the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, which makes us what? Sheep. That is not really a compliment. I mean, maybe lambs, but if you've ever seen a full-grown sheep, sheep are are interesting. They're timid animals. They tend to be in flocks. They need flocks for protection because basically they have no defense from predators. Wool, not much of a shield. Um, They tend to run away as fast as they can if a predator comes, but they have short, stubby legs. They don't run that fast. Not faster than most things that would want to kill them. They can kick, but their legs really aren't that powerful. Again, short and stocky. What they do do is they follow They will follow whoever is there. You can't drive sheep. You can drive cattle. You lead sheep. So you have a shepherd leading his flock, and the flock tends to follow, except that they will follow just about anybody who leads. Um, And sometimes that's a problem. In fact, sometimes they will even follow to the point that if they're following that something that goes off a cliff, they'll go off after it. So what's the role then of the shepherd? Well, he's got his hands full, doesn't he? But if we think about the Lord being our shepherd, think about all of those ways that the shepherd then provides. One is food. Sheep will uh, uh, graze uh, an area till it's absolutely barren. So what the shepherd has to do uh, is keep moving them to green pastures until they eat that dry, and then he moves them again as God continues to provide for us in all of our needs. The shepherd leads them into to pasture, into rest, those places where they're defended, they're comfortable. And sometimes the best thing that we need is simply rest, isn't it? Rest for our bodies, rest for our souls. That restores us. The shepherd guides, taking us where we need, leading us, encouraging us, 
It's beautiful imagery as God is doing that in all those aspects of our lives. And I guess that's why I'm kind of frustrated that so often, if we use the 23rd Psalm, what's normally the context? When's the last time you read the 23rd Psalm? Probably a funeral. <laughs> yep. So often we do tend to use this at funerals, and maybe it's because it is so comforting, but I, but I think it's so more encompassing than that. Yet it does even address that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's powerful imagery. Because sometimes we forget, we kind of cruise along on autopilot, we're, we're just rolling through life, and then death comes and casts its shadow over us. That shadow of death. Shadow gives that, that imagery of foreboding and fearful and death kind of haunting us. In order to cast a shadow, what do you have to have? You have to have light and then something blocking the light. And where does the shadow appear then? Behind me. So if God is the light, the Edo walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's death coming between me and God. And how often that's true. That as we're walking through life, death kind of comes in and begins to block out God's light. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. But here's that fear. The fear that, that comes around death and dying. The, the unknown. The uncertain. And all those other things that are associated with it. Illness, uncertainty, things that are maybe unworked through with family or friends or broken relationships. All those hurts and darkness that cast their shadow on me. So when we enter those times of darkness in our lives, those times of fear and uncertainty, what does God promise here? Maybe it's important first to begin with what does God not promise? God doesn't promise that somehow I get to skip the valley. Because people want to do that to us. Well, if you're a Christian and something bad's happening to you, you just don't have enough faith. You just need to pray more, and then things won't, bad won't happen to you. No, God doesn't promise that. What does God promise here? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because thou art with me. What God promises is that he's going to go into the valley with us. Thou art with me. I am not alone. God is with me. And he promises that we're going to get through this together. Faith is a relationship with God. When he goes with me, he brings me comfort. 
He protects me with his rod. He guides me uh, with his staff. Doing those things that shepherds do. I am not alone. And the comfort that that brings begins to to extend, extend uh, into all of the things I do. He anoints my head with oil, it says, treating me as an honored guest, honored to be at the Lord's table, honored to be in any relationship with him. He's the one that should be honored and praised, and yet God's honoring me, blessing me and and providing me, showering his gifts upon me, my cup overflowing with those gifts. Mercy, peace, love, strength, hope, so much more. Because God's my shepherd. Not just today. It's not kind of a here and gone relationship. His mercy and goodness follow me all the days of my life. The word in Hebrew here is is, is a strong one. It's this idea that not just kind of following, but actively pursuing me. It's the idea that that almost like I keep running away from God. What is God doing? He's chasing after me trying to bring all of those gifts into my life, even when I'm running away from him. And finally, that beautiful promise, I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Both in God's presence now and in heaven forever. Because his gifts go past this life when all of those gifts will be realized in their fullness in heaven, all of my life becomes blessed by God. I found it kind of ironic that it fell this year, the the fifth Sunday of Easter. It fell on Mother's Day. Maybe it's part of ironic because David kind of has a checkered uh, past with family relationships. Remember the whole Bathsheba thing? In fact, there are those that will say that pastors shouldn't speak about mothers on Mother's Day because it's not a good day for everyone, so so we should ignore it. I say it's okay to talk about mothers and motherhood in the right context. In many ways, the context of the 23rd Psalm. Let me explain. Some of us are blessed with mothers who provided for us, comforted us, protected us. And it is very good and right that we thank the Lord for those people, that we thank them for their role in our lives. We celebrate those mothers today. But other of us weren't as equally blessed. And to be quite honest, for some, Mother's Day hurts. I've known mothers who skip church today because they don't want to deal with it publicly because maybe they lost their mother to death too early. Or maybe there's people, and there are people, who just weren't able to have children. Or maybe you're a mom who lost a child, and today's very painful. 
Maybe there's a strained relationship between someone and their mom or the mom and the someone. And for those people, Mother's Day isn't always great. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us the same place that left David. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We need God's goodness. Why? Because the world isn't always good. We need God's mercy because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, both parents and children. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Irregardless of our situation with our family, the promise of eternal life is for all who believe in God. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the perfect place. With perfect bodies and in perfect relationships all because the Lord is our shepherd and we are sheep. May God bless us with those wonderful gifts that he promises until that great and the glorious day when that is realized in fullness. In Jesus' name, amen.